Welcome to Ekuneni, a podcast about South African innovators. I'm Jen Warren. And I'm Pam Sykes. And Ekuneni is the closer word for corner. In South Africa, the street corner is where people hang out, trade stories and watch life unfold. And that's exactly what we hope to share with you. So join us to explore what stirs ordinary people to make a difference in their communities. We'll introduce you to some of Cape Town's local heroes who are changing the world with bravery, innovation, ingenuity and heart. Hello, loyal listeners. It's been a while, but we're back. Welcome back to Ekuneni Street Corner Stories. In this episode, we're going to spend some time with Theo Ndindwa, a dancer and a social entrepreneur who's working, among many other things, to bridge some of the gaps between town and township. We spoke with Theo at his home in the suburb of Pineland, so if you hear the occasional bit of bird song or dogs barking, that is the natural sound of the burbs. Jen and I are recording on location. This is not a studio recording. My name is Kolesile Theo Ndindwa. I go by the name of Theo. Born in Gokuletu and grew up here in Cape Town. So this is home for me, even though I have lived all over and travel a lot. For those listeners who don't know Cape Town or don't know Gokuletu, it's a township about 15 kilometers from the center of Cape Town that was established in the 1960s as black families were being forcibly moved out of the inner city areas into what was then the outskirts and is now the middle of a very large megacity. And Theo's journey from Guguletu to the dance capitals of the world and back started when he was 10 years old playing soccer with his friends and taking time out to peek through the windows of the room where some of the neighborhood girls were taking ballet lessons with a dance outreach group called Dance for All. So when the company needed some boys for a production, it was Theo and his friends they grabbed and a whole new world opened up for them. Obviously, I had no idea what this was. And a group of us were asked to join the Nutcracker. It was around political change in the country. And so we were one of the first black children to be in the opera house at the Artscape. I mean, these were all my friends. We would train football in the same place and then we would go and watch these dance classes. And it was just a removed thing. We just watched the girls doing ballet. But I think that brought us together. We didn't understand the concept of going inside the classroom and doing plies and all of this technique training. But when we saw the whole production rehearsal, it made sense. Oh, actually, you do need to learn to stretch your toes and your knees. And So that first experience, you didn't seek out dance dance found you didn't it right 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 yes so what did it feel like the first times you danced what was the thing that grabbed you yeah it was just the magic of theater even though now we knew in october that we're going to do nutcracker in december and it's Mm -hmm. going to open and we're going to do 20 performances you know, and we're doing rehearsals, it was still not sinking in. We would alone in Google Letter, then we would go and rehearse with other children at UCC, then we'd rehearse with the company, then we'd go on stage. And it still hadn't sinked in, but I remember we had a final dress rehearsal where we did our first act and we could go then and sit in the front and actually just watch, you know, almost like we're watching the performance. I was suddenly like, oh, I'm in this. And there's all of these things, the set, the music, you know, the light. And suddenly it all just came together. I was like, wow, this is what I want to be involved with. You know, it wasn't even the ballet itself, but I think just creating that magic. You know, I always remember that time as being almost a window into the world that I'm in today. You know, Mm. it's like an awakening in many ways Mm. for me. And then the bug bit you. 
yeah that was it but i also think more than that you know koguletu and the townships generally are very challenging difficult mm. spaces i've considered myself very lucky in most of the circumstances i've been in in that kind of environment because you know we would just travel as young boys you know 8 9 10 but we go and play in a park far because koguletu and township at that time didn't even have parks they were just filled you know so we lived in that kind of environment that was a bit easy to be lost and i think what sort of kept me in the good direction was discovering dance and as you say that it found me and it found a whole group of us i decided to stay just because i genuinely loved the experience you know and we kind of made a pact that we would carry on you know after football or whenever but the others just after that it was like forgotten and you know what's sad is that most of the guys that i started with not most but quite a lot of that group if we were eight boys you know are no longer alive through different circumstances from growing up over the last two decades and it's just sad to think that you wonder if we had all stayed and continued and worked really hard because it was an opportunity for young black children you know my destiny was wrapped up in all of that of me wanting to really make the best of my life and i realized that this is an opportunity that i cherished and i see value and i see how it could give me the life that i think is better than any alternative that i had at that time And I continued to train in Guguletu and then I was given a place at the UCT Bali school where I attended a couple of days a week but also then when I went to high school I went to a dance focused school and I knew quite early on that this is the path I want to take which when I look at it now I mean I don't dance that much currently but I've always knew it's not necessarily about me dancing there was just something much bigger there was a whole world that was opened up by that experience and i had a scholarship to go to london at brunel university so in 2001 i then left for the scholarship so what was yeah. that like to arrive in a new country my teachers and my mentors philip boyd and philip spiral of dance for all they organized this trip for me to go during their summer holiday in 1999 for me to go and do auditions to classes and plan my future after matric I was in the UK for about 3 weeks. You know, I went there in the summer and so London and kind of felt like <laughs> South Africa, you know, in spring and it Little was all did you know. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I had an option of going in December, but I thought, oh, okay, I'll go in January. It was freezing. Just the kind of cold that I haven't experienced. And it was just a really intense time. The first couple of months, it was like I was in an army. but you know i mean i was glad to see that even though i had a lot to learn i had really good training from south africa and that was very evident you know i didn't get there and just get lost and i could now just feel and everything that i had i mean i would regard myself as a more contemporary dancer than a ballet dancer in my adult life just because also being there it opened up a whole lot more where when i was here i mean we didn't even regard pantsula as a art form because we just mm. do pantsula and african dance and then you get there and you're learning lots of different techniques american techniques so i think that really started to form my own path and ideas about form you know learning a classical technique and then how do you sort of break that down and make it relevant for you but also use it in a way that it speaks to how 
you really truly want to express yourself mm -hmm. so i think that's what also the choreographic skills for me came because i was exploring you know i could already do five six seven pirouettes which was a lot by any standard at that time and at that age for training dancers and so it was always looking and challenging how else can i do these pirouettes how can we push the boundary more so once you start to look for things that are genuinely you you know part of you part of your heritage that's kind of where for me it gets more interesting because then i am not my culture but my culture is me and how does that fit into this world and i am a closer man and i can do ballet and i can do african dance and you know what is that and so i think every time as you find a new voice within you and a new interpretation of how you are able to express so that's been ongoing and I think for me it's been very exciting because it's when we really go there as artists that we make things that are interesting even that we surprise ourselves. In 2005 Theo and his then girlfriend Tanya, now his wife, came to South Africa to help out at Dance for All. But working for someone else isn't really Theo's style and in 2007 he and Tanya established Ikapa Dance Theatre. Ikapa has trained hundreds of young dancers, been an umbrella for Theo's own choreography and performance work, and the Cape Town International Dance Festival, which Theo has used to bring together dancers from all over the world, from New York and China to Finland, Mozambique, Spain, and of course, South Africa. It was only supposed to be maybe for, I don't know, a couple of months, a year or two, but I was home and she loved it. That's what I'm destined for as well, in contributing back to others. And so Ikapa Dance Theatre was the vehicle through which we created our dreams and was founded 10 years ago. And it has been an incredible journey with Ikapa just in many different ways, in the training aspect, in the productions that we've created and collaborations locally and internationally. And the Cape Town International Dance Festival that we launched and within that I've had lots of different roles where I'm the teacher, I'm the choreographer, I'm the director, the founder, mm -hmm. but also, you know, being the person that's creating the bridge. When I look at the whole journey of just how this world of ballet and dancing opened up a whole lot of different avenues, mm -hmm. it's really amazing the, the whole thing of reimagining yourself, reinventing yourself. We wanted to produce dancers that can compete in any stage and dance in any stage and be accessible to any body because we have to live in the end they have to earn money this you know with the gap i proud ourselves in producing really well-trained dancers and even to a point where right now Ikapa has incorporated a different strand of gymnastics and to see the diversity in them gives them a really solid chance mm -hmm. to be able to make a living if you're living and working in south africa you must be having to hustle all the time. Yeah. There's no national endowment for the arts. No, yeah. I mean, you describe yourself as a social entrepreneur, so you're yeah. a dancer and a social entrepreneur, and you have to develop both of those skill sets. Yeah. And in some ways, it would have been much easier to stay in London and comfortable. So what is it that's driving you to have stayed here and to be continuing to invest in? It must be a difficult way to earn a living. Right? Mm. Yes, yeah, right. I don't often think about being in the UK and just dancing and I mean I moved from company to company project to project and when I think about that I think geez I would have somehow cheated myself as hard as it is in this sort of form I wouldn't have had it any other way just because for me it was very clear that okay I can go back and dance and build myself up to be whatever I want to be but 
what I have to offer here and what I am starting to do is much more because just getting an opportunity as a young boy as much as it found me it was a deliberate thing we're going to find somebody and so I was also lucky that it was me and I was also very deliberate about knowing that look what I'm doing here is going to find somebody and a lot of people and actually that matters more because look at my life and I understood that in a very basic way and in a very literal way it was a very clear and simple thing and I think even now as hard as it has been I can say actually if I could have done it earlier I would have even earlier just because I don't think I was destined for a life of being a superstar ballet guy and I know that's just in terms of my own life but I think in terms of the things that I care about is much more it's people and how people can better themselves you know with the unfortunate situation of our country and our communities it allows for you to be able to get in there and actually make change because if children are there they have nothing to do and you know that and you know you have a lot to offer and I think for me that's the basis of how it started the rest will come just again that discipline that resilience that hard work eventually I'm going to achieve what I want to achieve as Ikapa Dance Theatre turned 10 last year Theo took the chance to reflect and plan for the future and the result is a return to his roots in Guguletu closing the circle by reconnecting town and township and creating a centre of dance excellence at his old primary school. I find the relationship between dance and your trajectory to be really powerful in that both elements are so interconnected and dance itself is so dependent on the interconnectedness with the other dancers, with the story, with the music, right. with the set, with right. all these other elements that it doesn't happen in isolation. Right. Even if you right. are a solo dancer, right. it doesn't right. happen in no, isolation. It doesn't. There's it doesn't. an orchestra, or yes. there are all these elements that have to work together yes. to create the whole. And it's quite powerful how that element of your upbringing in dance speaks to Ikapa and to the work you're doing now. It's that ethos of interconnectedness and returning to the source of where you learn to dance and yeah. to other young people and that they could have the same door into another world. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, thank you mm -hmm. for that outlook because it's been hard, but at the same time, I think just bringing it back. It's been 10 years with Ikapa and I know that there's no way I would rather be. There's no way I would rather live. There's no way I would rather work. Our festival in 2014, the Cape Town International Dance Festival, we had a very strong theme of town and township. And so I think this thing has been sort of coming to me, you know, in a gradual way of, I am a community-based and local, but at the same time, there's a global angle in our lives. And so the town and township thing was very deliberate. You know, we wanted to be present in both, because things are so separated in Cape Town and mm. South Africa. And so with the GAPA and the festival, really my passion is in the communities, it's in the township, it's in the disadvantaged areas, wherever they are. And it's to be able to give a voice to the ones that don't have a voice. And so why are we based in the city? Even resource-wise, it just doesn't make sense. And so our focus now is in Guguletu, and this is a new vision. After the 10 years foundation of Ikapa, and I feel that it's only just been a foundation because I realize that it's not about dance, it's not about art, it's actually about many different things. I wouldn't be who I am today besides maybe being a glorified dancer if I didn't get in touch with all of the other elements of my development. So 
being back in the community that's the vision now is to be building a space well creating spaces but there's a conversation that we're not having about sustainability and a true foundation that is all about the imagination and the inspiration and if i'm going to be teaching you in some dirty classroom that you are sitting in all day and i just move a couple of desks and try and make you visualize and understand this thing you know and i said that's part of the problem but if i walk into a ballet studio immediately i know how a child will feel and there's also something about infrastructure yes. and what that says to you about your value how can you do first-rate work in a second-rate environment? And why should a township kid have to work in a second-rate environment? Yes. So yeah. you're building a beautiful dance studio in Gubiletu. That's right. So this is the project. This is the Kappa 10-year culmination. And so the plan is that this is a space. It's a hub space more than a dance studio. The venues we had in the city, they were always multi-purpose. They were our office. They were a dance studio. They were an event space. They were for rental, for income generation. So that's the actual exact same replication that we want to have in the space. So there's an old primary school that the Kappa has been based at for the last couple of years, which happened to be also my primary school that I went to in Google mm -hmm. too, which also happened to be in this most amazing location. When you think of township, when you think of safety, when you think of accessibility, you know, in fact, it's also within a hub. There's a police station, there's swimming pool, there's the library, there's the houses, there's Mzoli, the popular meat eatery. And you know, what we're going to do there is a studio venue, but at the same time, we want to have smaller spaces for entrepreneurs, but especially in craft, people who are actually producers. And this thing, again, for me, speaks about this holistic package. You know, we were also producing dancers, but at the same time, the educational element is very important. You know, we want to have a first place where all of these people are based, but the children are able to access what is being done in a way where it's inclusive to their education, especially for township kids. I feel that it's so relevant because of circumstances and opportunities and situation that entrepreneurship should be taught to children at the earliest age. Then your dreams are not just to be a ballet dancer, your dreams change and you need the skill to be able to change with them or for you to change so that you know your dreams are changing with you. For me, that's the kind of space I want to create where children can experience all of these things. Yeah. And I think also what's important and what I love about the fact that you're basing your school in a school, for the kids to be seeing that activity happening in their space, in their environment. And it's getting really an opportunity yeah, to, to look, feel, and, yes, yeah, yeah, so yeah. this is what it's like. Yeah, I think this started with a small seed of us wanting to create art centers within mm. schools. So this is a pilot project that I would like to be in each school. You know, each school should be adopting this kind of model where they have these extra things within them. It can actually really be a model where each school is striving to have its own hub. You spoke about the town and township and there's a potential here with this hub and with the Akapa Center that you can bring town to the township. Mm. Right. Breaking that down is so important. It's so long overdue. It's quite exciting how dance can literally physically do that, you know. Mm. Well, look, you know, as I said, my life really cuts across borders. I mean, I find myself in amazing places, meeting incredible people. You know, I'm always the minority the youngest, but I know that I represent 
the biggest majority, right? And I know that just by me being present in those situations, something shifts. It just makes people think. So you're really talking about turning the apartheid division of the city inside out. I'm picturing it like literally turning it inside out. So instead of all the talent and the work flowing from townships into these old urban centers, it's like turn it back around to keep people near their homes and then attract tourists, visitors, locals, money. And then I think that's that whole town and township thing, you know, it's not just one way. How does the township show itself in the city? That we haven't looked at, that we haven't addressed. You've spoken about sustainability and yeah. I mean we're all freelancers, we know how difficult it is to earn a sustainable living and in the arts especially, it's in any globally it's difficult as an yeah. artist to make a living and in this country even more so. So how do you survive with a family as an artist mm. and still generate enough to start thinking big? Yeah, I mean, I think it can't be one way of how you are trying to earn money and how you are trying to sustain yourself. Obviously, support is priority, whether it's partner and you supporting them. That's the first part. But I really do lots of different things. And, you know, I teach. That brings in money. Obviously, with the work that we're doing with Ikapa, that brings in a certain amount of income. Sometimes I think that it's not always about the financial cash. Sometimes it's about the value of what you are doing that actually brings in the cash. So, no, that doesn't pay bills, right? But it can help to pay bills long term. And I think it's also just not being dependent from one source. That's just the way of how we have to be, you know, we're constantly looking for those streams. So what I mean, Magic you have to way. be versatile and yeah. innovative. And also what I heard was just keep doing the work, keep doing the work. Just keep doing the work. In the middle of all of this work, building new institutions and teaching a new generation, Theo is still dancing. And he's still choreographing his own work, but very much on his own terms. I think Theo does everything on his own terms. Yes. I've been thinking about the choreography side and how does your life sort of inform what your choreography is or has been and the messages that you're getting across in production. Yeah, you know, there's this thing of the expectations of to create and I'm a dancer and I must make another dance. I don't dance to that tune. It has to be things that speak to me. It has to be things that I feel that they're relevant, they make sense. And of late, the things I've been involved in, they've been more looking at the restoration of hope. I feel that that's my calling in terms of the works that I want to create. Look, I've been also through lots of personal things in my own life that I know not to waste my time. Because I find for me the process is very important. The process is actually the healing process is more important than the end product for me. Currently, the historical memoir displacement of where we are as people has been really what speaks to me. And yeah, inspirational work that also shows the resilient human spirit and how we overcome our situations. You know, my interest is always tied to the hardship, you know, to the people that are really not at the bottom, but who are having the most suffering, the most pain, the most hardest time. It's always about Again, bringing it to the magic of theatre. Just bringing that magic and giving people that hope.
seeing that magic for themselves in whatever way, in whatever they're doing. So those are the works for me that brings beauty and healing and understanding and happiness. Yeah, and that's a real artistic yeah. challenge, isn't it? To acknowledge the past and at the same time say we don't have to be stuck in that past. Because yeah. you can't deny it, yeah. but moving forward is an artistic challenge to sit with that contradiction. Yeah. And it's a human need to move yeah. forward. Yeah. We can't get right. stuck yeah, we have in to. it. Yeah. We have right. to be constantly mm -hmm. moving and and hopefully learning. Yes. And arts, creative expression, it's such a powerful way, music, dance, mm. of reflecting. I mean, I've had so many young people tell me how arts or sport saved their lives, right. literally. Right. I would have been dead by now, except that I found theater or dance or soccer. Or, and that thing of giving young people in the time of their life when they're most energetic and most seeking new horizons, a worthwhile horizon is profoundly important. Yeah. The thing is finding your passion, you know. I think that's one of the things. It's as soon as you can or as early as you can. Finding your passion is what really sort of will save you also from lots of different things. As we talked to Theo, it became clear that one of the most valuable legacies of his dance training is that he really gets the importance of long, sustained practice and discipline the pleasure of using skills that you've honed over years. And this is what he's trying to teach to new generations of young people. That becomes a responsibility, right? To be that trusted adult in some form to someone, to say, you can also follow your dreams. Mm. This type of initiative can give that spark to somebody mm. as well, that even if this young person doesn't become a dancer or is only with Ikapa for a couple of years even, that spark is still placed there within them to say, actually, that's what that's I want. That's what I want, right. This is going to make right. me happy. And mm -hmm. to have that sort of confidence right. to, to figure that out as a young person. You know, and some people mm -hmm. are not getting those mm -hmm. options to be able to know what they want to be, mm -hmm. you know. It's an interesting cultural thing that I, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out here in South Africa. Did apartheid play a role in that stealing of the ability to dream? And there's some needing to believe that the energy you put in will be rewarded. If there's a history right. of 300 years, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to get stomped on. I think people need to learn to trust that the world will not slap me down if I really try. That's going to take time. It's amazing, challenging, beautiful, difficult, infuriating work to be doing. <laughs> No, it is, it is. It can't be a separate thing, you know, to my life. It has mm -hmm. to be part of all the things that I've been doing and how I could do them better. And as I progress in my own life, I see how I can help. Mm, yeah. Okay, you've done it the normal way. Yes, like, it's mm, that, Boring, that, <laughs> boring. That. Let's find a new way. That's it. fantastic. You do the yeah. thing that everybody expects and then I'm hearing that you don't, you're like, it's dissatisfying. So you're acting on your dissatisfaction. You're making the world more like you would like the world to be, actually, which is what an innovator is all about, right? Yeah. We all are looking for that bit of inspiration for us to better ourselves, you know, and for us to have better experiences, yeah. So your journey, as I'm seeing it now, is kind of from the township through dance into entrepreneurship, really, and yeah. back to the township. So you are a dancer, but 
not just a dancer, you're an arts entrepreneur. So I want to ask, off the back of that, the question we always ask the question everybody. That we always ask. question we always ask, which is, what makes you an innovator in those spaces? For myself, I've sort of broken a lot of different stereotypes on my own personal career, on a personal level. And I think it's to be able to inspire others to see beyond themselves and to see what is possible. And just the simple idea of using your passion, you know, using what you have and what you naturally possess, coupled with hard work and dedication and focus. Doing what I love doing and what I believe in. Yeah, being true to yourself. So Pam, when's the first time that you remember experiencing the magic of theatre? Hmm. You know, I grew up in a lot of very, very tiny towns that didn't have theatres. So, I was actually in a production when I was in Standard 5, what is now Grade 7. I played the lead role in the school's kind of historical drama production. And um, you know what I loved most was we took it on tour. We were living in this tiny town and we went to the tiny town next door. And we performed it for other people and meant a like a two-hour bus ride and I felt like a rock star. <laughs> it was so cool. I've always been on the other side. I like being behind the scenes. And I played piano growing up and my first memory was actually going to the Philharmonic Orchestra and watching all of the musicians set up their instruments and tuning their instruments and it's one of my favorite things. That sound of the orchestra tuning up is, I think, the most exciting sound in the whole world. There's nothing like it. And I also always love backstage. It feels so powerful to know what's going on behind the scenes. It's like a secret world. Mm. It really is. But okay, Jen, all the theater nostalgia aside, what do you take away from that conversation with Theo? My favorite part is this town and township connection. It's such a stark point of being in Cape Town and more widely in South Africa, these divisions between the town and the township and a carryover from apartheid actually. It feels like something that we should all have a hand in physically undoing and it's been over 20 years and, and those divisions aren't yet physically broken down. So it's really moving to hear what Theo his wife Tanya, his colleagues and fellow dancers with the Kappa Dance Theatre are doing to physically break down these barriers or, in a more positive way, to build connections between these communities and parts of the city. That's lovely because it reminds me what we build always lasts for a lot longer than we think. So we'd better be very mindful about what we build. It makes me really hopeful. The care and thoughtfulness with which people like Theo are building futures that will work for everyone. Mm. And the very deliberate nature of Theo's work and his vision of what he wants the world to be. And you know what else, Jen? It's a reminder that when I'm feeling slightly panicky and anxious about the future of my country, we need to do a podcast because I always end up feeling so much more hopeful because I speak to amazing people. We always walk away from these interviews feeling very, very inspired, like the little emoji with the hearts for eyes. That's exactly. how I feel every yeah. time we talk yeah. to someone. You can have the heart <laughs> eyes, I'll take the starry eyes. Oh, I like those too. So if you're thinking about making a podcast, unknown listener on the other end of the ether, it really makes you feel good about the world when you talk to awesome people. Yes, you should do it. And thank you for listening to ours. 
Yeah, thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Theo as much as we did. And we'd love to hear your feedback. So if there's something you really love about the show or something you think we could be doing better, or you have a suggestion for somebody we should interview, please let us know. And we promise we'll be back again much, much sooner than this hiatus that we just took. And please visit our Facebook page in the meantime, Ekinani Podcast, and the Instagram feed. Also, you can find us at Ekinani Podcast or email us at ekinanipodcast at gmail.com. And if you feel like leaving us a review on iTunes, that would be really helpful. Uh, see you next time. See you next time. Ekonani is produced by me, Pam Sykes. And me, Jen Warren. We're supported by the U.S. Consulate of Cape Town and the American Corner at the Cape Town Central Library. Special thanks to Noabisa Mayema and Debbie Matea for moral support. Music courtesy of Bottled Sounds and Sean Lawler. Follow us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Ekonani Podcast. Podcast.